Good morning. It is Monday, December 3rd. It's 6.41 a.m. Um, yeah, I had a, kind of a frustrating-ish, annoying dream, a redundant dream. Um, oh, God. Basically, I was going to the secret bar uh, that was down an alley behind it as, you know, a secret passageway. And I was bringing people there and dropping them off there and leaving them there. And there were people there at this club bar place that I had known before who were there. And it was... You know, it was kind of like, it felt like a chore. It felt like I wasn't on a social engagement with these people. Um, And then I got tangled up in some bureaucratic BS, some weird fees. This clerk outside of the bar was charging me these bizarre $6.73 fees. Um, just, Just for, I think the main one was to go to this fund for propaganda filmmaking and I just I lost my shit in the dream um (laughs) I pretty much was just like I cannot believe you're doing this this is ridiculous and you're only doing it to me you know what it's one of those dreams where you just have to wake up from because it it was just it was just my mind was just dumping garbage you know just clutter and now my mind is now decluttered great anywho um it was a pretty busy weekend as usual. I worked at the Alameda Antiques Fair, known as the Flea Market, yesterday. Um, I helped Robert with his booth and I had like brought some clothes too to set up. Um, it was a mellow day all around. Uh, we did move a lot of product. Um, there were lots of goobers, uh, but not as many, not as many people in the rockabilly clothes. Um, you know, all dressed up to go to a damn flea market. So that was refreshing not to see them. Um, there was this one lady who was buying items for her Airbnb, and she uh, said that she also had bought a farm. And I said, oh, what do you raise on your farm? And she's like, we raise consciousness. And yeah, that lady was a real trip. Um, and she just really liked me and kept wanting to talk to me. Um, but she eventually moved on, which was great. So yeah, it was, it was a long day. It started out at around 4 a.m. and didn't end until about 5.30 p.m. I dropped into bed around 9.30. So yeah, it was a long day um, and a very, very productive week. So I'm glad that week is over just because it was just so action-packed. So one of the things I did on Friday, I I had lunch with Taylor. Um, We went to this cult restaurant called Ananda, which is a vegan vegetarian restaurant. I had some fake chicken meat with kale salad tossed in like a peanut sauce and these rice noodles, which were decent. I ate half of the salad and I brought the rest home. Um, But before I went home, I stopped off at the assessor's office, which is located inside the city hall building. 
I did this upon the suggestion of one of the listeners of this podcast. I do not know their name. Um, my friend Rita uh, is friends with them. And apparently they also listen to the podcast, which is great. And um, I I guess in hearing my podcast, they heard about all the research and, and my nosiness about... Um, some Noe Valley history, and they recommended that I go to the assessor's office, and I did. They were very friendly over there, um, kind of like new age hippie lady with a fanny pack, uh, assisted me in my search. I looked up the deeds to the house in Noe Valley, where I'm trying to find the original owners of the house, because I think they might now be in now be the benevolent spirits which um, kind of haunt in a friendly way that house Um, so I I spent about an hour and a half there I had a lot of stuff to do I had mending and thrifting to do afterwards Um, but the time just flew by as I looked through page after page of uh, grantor to grantee switch-offs trying to decipher between the bad handwriting and the um, faint copies, what it could possibly be. Now, I came upon a frustrating, you know, setback, minorly frustrating setback, because the page that I think pretty much has the information, it doesn't show up well on the computer. Um, It's like a, you know, because they have these photocopies of each page, and it looks kind of, there's, it looks kind of blank with some faint lines on it. Um, but on Robert's suggestion, I will also be going to the San Francisco History Room located in the Civic Center Branch Library today to do some more research. Um, I had also mentioned last week the Gray Brothers Quarry, and I, I wanted to find out more info about them, and I did. One of the things that I was curious about was how this company who caused so much damage and was so unethical and just so completely, um, you know, just uncaring, how they were able to survive and even thrive and exist in San Francisco for 25 years. Well, I came to my answer. Oh, God, there's this union boss named Abe Roof who was actually quite intelligent he he was not the typical like mafioso goon rough that you think of when you think of a a union boss he was very well educated Um, he went to he was kind of a prodigious scholar actually he got into college at 14 and graduated uh, with honors at 18. Um, he was part of, he had a little, uh, politics club in college. Um, and he was pen pals with Teddy Roosevelt. So, uh, who was also in his own little politics club. Um, and they had this, uh, intense network of other young, budding, wet-behind-the-ears politicos all throughout the country in a network of uh, correspondence and uh, camaraderie. 
Um, so those are the high points of his life. Um, he went on to become a pretty high-powered lawyer and was in a, was awarded kind of the district of uh, North Beach to to uh, maintain um, order in the unions there at the time and. San Francisco is pretty union oriented, and especially back then, um, there were all manners of unions for every everything you could think of. Um, and in the meantime, due to his uh, kind of sparkling personality, and and uh, unpretentious facade, I know I know that doesn't make sense, but he he definitely played the I'm the everyman earthy, I don't like glitz and glam. He didn't drink, he didn't smoke. Um, but he hung out with all the all the uh all the most glamorous types in, in San Francisco and I think he made them feel more glamorous because he just kind of kept a low pro. So he kind of pretended non pretension unpretension if it's possible. So he was awarded unsolicited um kind of like a reta- on a retainer with all these uh, with all these big companies with um you know all the iron companies banks he was their lawyer he was the lawyer for everybody so he eventually ended up kind of having a lot of control of the city um around i think it was 1901 or 1902 um he nominated uh for the through the labor union, kind of like the union party, he called someone from the union his own special pet, Eugene Schmitz. Eugene was the head of the music laborers uh, union, the the musician union. So it was it was kind of like being in charge of like the candy fluff, you know, cookie puss union. Um, and that was that was who he chose, and um, as, when he was campa- campaigning for you know his his nomination within the party, um, he ran against a uh, rather long winded and dull um, leader of the Iron Mold Makers Union. Needless to say, Eugene won the nomination. Uh, Eugene. Uh, was basically had no knowledge really of politics. He was not that bright, but he was a quick study. So he didn't have, he didn't possess the intellectual prowess that Abe Roof did, but that was okay. He was basically, he was like a puppet. He was a vessel of, of Roof's uh, intentions and was more than willing to go along for the sake of uh, propelling his, his own ego. Uh, one of the the uh, monikers uh, that uh, Eugene Schmitz went by was Handsome Gene. Now I looked at the pictures. Okay, he's cute from a three quarters angle. He has pretty eyes, and he's got black, kind of just black wavy hair. Um, he would have been more handsome if he did not have a goatee. Okay, um, in my book, but I know Victorian standards of beauty involved a lot of facial hair. And um, he was pretty tall, whereas Abe was on the shorter side, or it actually wasn't really that short. He was like 5'8", <clears throat> pardon me, but uh, Eugene was quite a bit taller. Um, 
And that made that gave me pause, and I wondered if those were the benevolent spirits which haunted the house in Noe Valley, because one of them is very tall, and one is somewhat short, and hides behind the taller one. Okay? Wherein Abe was the puppet master of Eugene, and he was somewhat shorter, and kind of hid behind the scenes, propelling the the taller Eugene hither, thither, and yon. So that did give me pause, but not great pause. So they also, uh, they, I mean, in Barbary Coast fashion, they had, uh, you know, control of all the houses of gambling and, and uh, dens of iniquity, uh, brothels. Uh, there was a, a lot of prostitution happening. Um, there were these uh, he they were uh, known as uh, he was a crib boss as well um, now a crib a crib house is is kind of like the lowest form of a brothel uh, for those who don't know so um, they're they can be you know have the standard look of a brothel where you know you have like a kind of a pub downstairs in a parlor but upstairs, it was tiny, tiny room or stall where um, it was like assembly line style, um, you know, sex for pay, uh, where it was maybe not assembly line style, <laughs> symbol and orgasm, <laughs> um, <clears throat> not to make light of the subject, but um, where someone could just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, or not thank them, um, and just in rapid succession if they wanted to pay for that and they um either the women who were there were very overworked and they didn't really have much of much say in the working standards so um in particular one crib house was so run down um this was deep in the tenderloin and i believe <clears throat> i believe it was on geary street uh 554 geary street uh, i'm gonna go look that up today i'm gonna go down there actually uh that was that crib house was torn down and and con and condemned by the city well <laughs> eugene and abe stepped in and uh they rebuilt another another property on on in its place and um, it suspiciously looked just like a new brothel yeah they made a new brothel and um, it was just another crib house uh, that had a better uh, that was more structurally sound to handle all the uh, rocking and knocking so to speak uh, I believe the other structure was kind of a clapboard structure but uh, they did a they did a lot of I'm bringing that that story into light it's because they they did a lot of um, of sneaky things where they they would act as if they were going to reform an aspect of of the city, and and make it better, and then they would just kind of fortify the same corruption, um, and and solidify and make it more permanent and easy to enact that corruption. That's that was their mo, generally. Case in point, which brings us to the Gray Brothers and uh, and uh, the significance of this mayor and this uh, union boss in cahoots with each other. So uh, the Gray Brothers wreaked quite a lot of havoc with their three quarries, and they and to be fair, they were not the only quarry owners in the city. There were about six other. Uh, 
quarrymen, the uh, Deneen quarry, and uh, there were a few others. Um, but they had they had the largest quarries. They were doing the most damage, and they were also evil. Um, they were paying people. They would their mo was to pay people half wages write them a promissory note to be paid 60 days later and then usually the workers couldn't survive that long um, because they could barely afford food and they were being worked like dogs and usually they would just quit um, and be unable to recover their owed wages Uh, the blasting was their blasting was particularly destructive and the board of supervisors uh upon hearing the protests of the the residents of telegraph hill uh, kind of put a, a moratorium on it for a while they they rallied and and passed passed a bill where uh, it wasn't allowed and that there were there were going to be restrictions uh, and and standards and times uh, they were trying to regulate these these brothers of the quarry um, but you know that was quickly overturned by the mayor Eugene Schmitz via Abe Roof and then they came back with a little tiny drop of reform and you know what they did they said the only bluestone quarries could could blast only bluestone quarries there were different kinds of rocks that were being blasted san francisco is a rich conglomerate literally of of different types of rock granite um kind of like these dark gray stones blue blue rock we have yellow rock um and other rocks got a lot of rocks um and so the they said only the blue stones quarries could blast. Well, guess what? The Gray Brothers, that was the only kind of stone that they blasted was blue stone in their quarries. They were a blue stone quarry. So they were saying only the Gray Brothers could exist, which boomed, which boomed their business. Or they could exist unregulated. The other quarries were still around, but they were not nearly as powerful. Um, and they garnered a lot more business than than the other quarries as a result so that is how those goons were able to uh, just proliferate for so long because of the corruption of the leadership of the city um you know this this union bus just having so much power i mean you are the lawyer and representative for every major company in san francisco Basically, they have you on a retainer. They had them on. They had a, a roof on five hundred dollar, one thousand dollar retainers. And if you have that, if with every big company in the city, and 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 uh, San Francisco was wealthy, it was booming. Uh, a, a, you know, nugget of commerce, a jewel of commerce, and trade and shipping and and uh, and wealth being generated in the city. So if you can imagine all these burgeoning companies paying him these fees, which in nowadays, I mean, I think a thousand dollars would be equivalent to about a hundred thousand dollars. So if you have all those others, I mean, it just boggles my mind. And 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 they were all unsolicited. Um, I feel like 
they probably thought, you know, if we don't have this man on our side, he's going to fuck us over, which he was not above doing that. Uh, years later, but not too much long after, um, I guess years later is only a few years later, <laughs> after uh, Eugene's second term as mayor, um, one year after the earthquake, <laughs> which was kind of another another disaster we'll talk about later, uh, one year after that, uh, he he was arrested for uh, extortion and and bribery and so was Abe Roof. Uh Abe was sent to San Quentin. Uh both of them languished in jails uh for a year awaiting their trial. Um and yeah, so extortion and bribery, uh they both got out a, a bit earlier. Uh Abe Roof was no longer the millionaire he once was, and, and he, he died in, in bankruptcy uh, about 20 years later. Um, I forget, it's fuzzy. <clears throat> I'll have to do a little bit more research on, on Eugene, on handsome Gene Schmitz. Um, but like I said, he was merely a vessel. He was, he was a, merely a pawn of Abe Roof, and, and Abe is, is the more interesting character. So that that is uh, where my research led me on kind of a goose chase, but I feel I'm getting somewhere. It's very hard to find info about the Gray Brothers beyond the havoc they wreaked at the quarries. There's I'm I'm trying to find out where they were born, how long they'd been in the city, if they were SF natives, wherein uh Roof and Schmitz were both SF natives. So um, there's a lot of a lot of history of them. Um, I want to find out where the Gray Brothers are buried, and I want to crack the mystery of the benevolent spirits in Noe Valley. <sighs> so yeah, there's a lot, and I'm looking forward to it. Just a little overwhelming. I could get it done though. Um, so yeah, today I'm hoping to have a really good day. I'm going to do a photo shoot and I'm going to hopefully make a Pamela Anderson style hat when the fabric store opens the one with the big uh, fluffy feathers on it and I think I might want to make some delicate lace masks uh, for my customers to enjoy and to adore themselves with um, masks are hot and they're particularly hot right now, um, but I best not divulge the, the nature of the masks or what type of masks they will be, just to protect my intellectual property. Um, so yeah, I'm probably going to roast some meat at some point later tonight, maybe make a fish and get my hands on some spinach, which is a hot commodity uh, due to all of the shortage uh, with the E. coli poisoning. Someone made poopy in the toilet, didn't wash their hands, and touched a bunch of lettuce. Thanks. On that note, um, I must bid you adieu. It's going to be a long day, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye.